Hey everyone, it's Raghu and I'm back with Mind Rolling with the original Mind Roller, David Silver. David, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Still rolling. Still yeah. rolling, yeah. yeah. Um, and this is another ep- episode in our series, Ask, Just Ask the Experts. Here we are. Yeah. Okay, and today the expertise is the yugas. Okay, everyone kind of knows the woohoo thing of Kali Yuga. We're in the Kali Yuga. Look at all this bad shit that's going on, which is a wild understatement. Uh, but uh, actually, there's a much more complex and multifaceted, um, shall we say, understanding of what the yugas are. And so, but. David, uh, everybody, he suggested this book, and I thought, okay, because I'm all, you know, the yugas, and what are we talking about, 200,000 years here, 200, you know, it's it's a little bit uh, beyond my intellectual scope, but this book had some things in it that were, re- they were really attuned and felt completely right on. I mean, talking about understanding our hidden past the emerging energy age, an enlightened future. Just that word alone gives you a little bit of hope. But uh, I think we need to start, Dave, by what what exactly do we mean by a yuga? Well, there are many versions of this, which makes it more complicated than it already is. But the version I I, I got attracted to was uh, Sri Yukteswar Giri, who was Yogananda's guru. Mm. And I read the book called The Holy Science. I just found it when, I, when it came out in 1972. And that's where his definition cosmologically of the yugas is in there, what Yuktiswar taught. And it's very different from a lot of the other ones, so what can I say? But what it is, is a system derived from many thousands of years ago either before the Vedas or somehow hidden in the Vedas. That's a little bit of a thing that people don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's it's based on a concept of there being a way in which the cosmos works, the whole cosmos, uh, that brings about changes in, not just changes in, in like obvious things like ecology or technical prowess or no, but changes in consciousness mm-hmm. that... In other words, the yuga doesn't change until the consciousness is changing or the other way around too. So what I was thinking before we did this podcast, uh, before before we connected, was, well, you know, the whole thing has got a poetic um, value, apart from anything else. And I mean poetry on the highest level, you know, which tries to explain why we are the way we are. And uh, when Raga and I discussed doing this, uh, we both felt that it was timely to to have some kind of perspective mm. on the craziness of the world right now. This is, what, October 22nd, 2023, mm. and there are all kinds of horrors going on in the world. Wars. Now, it's not to say that there haven't been wars forever, and there hasn't been oppression forever, and is it any worse, any better. We can't argue that. But, but it seems because of media that we know we know much more about what what is taking place, even if it is filtered through the media uh, capitalist system. And I thought the yugas, even as I say poetically or metaphorically, give us an answer because what they say is that there are four yugas. Let's get down to what they are. Mm. 
There are four yugas. And yuga would be a span of time. A span of time, yeah. And there's right. great okay. argument and controversy, as you can imagine, about this. And he has his own exact thing, which is that a whole set of yugas, all four of them, takes 24,000 years. And the, the yugas that exist, the four yugas that exist in there are of different lengths. At the very top, shall we say, of consciousness and of the circle, and Raga will publish, I hope, on the website. Uh, yeah, I will. Picture yeah. I sent to you. you. You should look at that picture even before you look at the, listen to this. Because the way it is, it's like a, a circle, and it's in four quadrants, but they're not equal in size. The first one at the top, there are two sets, two halves. First one is descending yugas, and the oh. second half is ascending yugas. Right now, we're in the beginning of the Dwarapa, Dwapara Yuga, which comes after the Kali Yuga. In terms of the order of events in the circle, the top part is Tatya Yuga, which is that of pure consciousness, divine consciousness. How about no if I order. show this page? Yeah, you show it like that. And so that one at the top, Satya, and this is descending half, if you're looking at this. Um, Satya, Satya is the first one. Treta is the second one, Dwapara is the third one, and Kali Yuga, the most famous one, is at the bottom. And then you see they turn. And then there's the second half of Kali going up to Dwapara, to Treta, to Satya. So there's a half going down and a half going up. We're at the end of the descending one, according to Yukteswar. Mm. And what we are, this particular Kali Yuga, according to him, ended in the year 1900. Our year, just, you know, 150 years ago, 130 years ago. And that's when it ended. And then the Dwaparaka starts, which is a much higher consciousness. As they go to each other in the ascending, in the ascending, they get higher. The Kali Yuga is known as the, the Yuga when mankind can only perceive of gross matter and objectifies all reality. And therefore, a dualistic approach, at best, causes people to be treated like objects. Because the whole perceptive process, the construct in that yuga, which we've just left, you could say, well, 1900, it ended in 1900, the Kali Yuga, but what about the First World War, Hitler, Mussolini, fascism, the Cold War, nuclear weapon? Well, there's something called a Sandhi, S-A-N-D-H-I, a Sandhi. Mm. And the sandhi is the overlap between two yugas. And it depends on the size of the yuga, how long the sandhi is. It's, it's proportional. So, uh, there's a sandhi of at least 200 years in Yukteswar's vision, which means that we're right at the beginning of the ascending and getting rid of the descending. But in this time occurs tremendous arguments. I mean, arguments about reality, arguments about religion, arguments about sex, gender, all that happens. All of it's good, but some of it is bad because it's held by people who are stuck in the Kali Yuga. Mm. Yuktiswai says that both the person stuck in the Kali Yuga will be stuck in any Yuga if he, doesn't, he or she doesn't grow. On the converse, which is more positive, in the Kali Yuga, even in the lowest chakra Yuga, there are many people who are living in the Satya Yuga. Mm. It just works like that. Mm. They come back. And the bodhisattva concept, the Buddhist bodhisattva concept, is that you can release yourself into the all, but you come back as an individuated being to help others who are struggling in their yuga. Yeah. So right. the, sandhi, the, the sandhi is now. 
So the, what we're experiencing, Robert, now is the Israel-Hamas war and the Ukraine-Russia war mm. and potential for, potential for real problems in China. So how does it help us? Basically, a great yogi or an avatar even can exist in the Kali Yuga and did and has many that we know of. And so, in the same sense, the bad and the good can be in any yuga. But for me, the yuga, and I wrote this down, it's a quote from the book, it says, each yuga changes the consciousness of mankind. However, the cycle of the yugas is bound together with the development of everyone's consciousness. Right, so it's got to so be not, an interactive thing. Yeah. It can't just be someone on high is saying, okay, no. new new yuga, so new consciousness. Okay, it's all an interactive. No. We should say, it's, people don't know who Sri Yukteswar is. Well, I mentioned that he's, he was Yogananda's guru. Yogananda's guru, but I think further than that, his guru was Lahiri Mahasaya, a great saint in India. Uh, and then, so his guru, and then one, I... I believe from, I haven't read Yogananda's book in a long, long time, but I would believe that all of them are under that one banner of Babaji, which this this Babaji in particular is known in India of the deathless um, manifestation of a human in a body. This is still up in the Himalaya, and and actually gives darshan or makes people aware of his presence uh, to this day, and uh, he. So you can't just dismiss it. I think that's what I'm trying to say. You cannot just dismiss that Yukteswar had this whole thing around the science of the different uh, ages that you can just dismiss. Although David just told me before we got on, I just read this article. It completely makes it totally absurd about <laughs> anything like this, <laughs> yeah, which yeah, goes along with our, you know, our thing, which... Uh, well, we, you, should, you should explain that. It, it's a whole different language that they're using to describe it. And in their sense, a year is not a human year. It's a Brahman year and a, a, a Brahma year. A Brahma year being thousands of years of our life. And that Yuktiswar has been misinterpreted, basically. But that's nonsense because he specifically mentioned states. Like, for instance, I have, okay, Satya Yuga started, let's get back to this, 11,500 BC. That's before we are here now. It started 11,500 years ago and lasted till 6,700 BC. Then the Treta Yuga started at 6700, lasted to 3100 BC. It's still 3,000 years before Jesus Christ. The Dwaparam Yuga started 3100 BC and lasted to 700 BC. We're still before the, the Roman Empire and Jesus Christ. The Kali Yuga started in 700 BC. And just as it sort of started, 300 years later, you had the Roman invasion of Palestine and the murder of Christ. And it ended in 1900 AD, just 20, 30 years away from the, uh, the Nazi vision of uh, cruelty and, and oppression. So basically, those are the numbers. As you can see, we're right at the end of the Kali Yuga. And what I, what I feel about this is that even though... In the book, the authors of this book, and we should mention them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Joseph, well, we'll put it in the, in the, in the show notes. Yeah. Joseph Selby and David Steinmetz. And um, 
you know, the reason I know about any of this uh, was because of, of um, our friend Dina Merriam, who is a, 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 you know, a great follower of Yogananda. And um, she sent me this book. Uh-huh. And I should mention that she's the head of something called the Global Peace Initiative of Women. And she travels the world making sure there's some consciousness about helping women in various cultures that are they're not being helped. Very mm-hmm. courageous woman. Anyway, she sent me this book. And because she's, she has been thinking about this for, since 1972 when she became aware of Yogananda, Yogeshwar Lahiri, Babaji. But I've, I've always loved them. But I, I didn't know this this particular part of the cosmic consciousness because I never knew that these guys like Yuktiswar were cosmologists and astrologists mm. too. Deeply detailed stuff. The, the you know the the, the 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 astrology that came out of you know in Sanskrit no less was just the earliest version of anything that was articulated about it in any real way. And the yugas come from that information via those those great gurus. Yeah. So I, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not Jimmy Fallon telling me this. Not the, anything against <laughs> Jimmy Fallon, but it's not. It's 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 three yugas, <laughs> you know. So basically, yeah, but, to, get wait, back, to get back to the whole thing, it's all about consciousness. Yeah, but the other thing that we talked about is that the reality. It, you, you could do the whole woo-hoo thing on this, you know, and uh, Sri Yukteswar, and he was interested in astronomy, and, you know, there's a lot of substantial information. You could woo-hoo the whole thing if you want. Yeah, or you could. People, you could. The people and, who, and many who listen people, to the, your great podcast, aren't they already sort of, <laughs> obviously, they're no, not. You know, I, I woo-hooed it, okay? I mean, I yeah, it's all real, but, you know, of course I know that. But on the other hand, I never had any kind of understanding whatsoever uh, based on, on this particular book. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. But w- w- here's the thing that makes it, okay, you can't quite just throw it off. Every major mystical tradition, uh, uh, you know, to Native Americans, to uh, Sufis and so on, they all have something that just mirrors what, uh, you know, we're talking about here, these yugas. Is that correct? Yeah, and this this is the way this works. Exactly, Roger. It's like, okay, we... When we're growing up in England, at any rate, we were taught about the four stages of ages of man: uh, iron, bronze, silver, golden, right? And then the bull of Dharma, which is part of the Hindu tradition, Vedic, uh, says that the bull has four legs, stands on four legs in the Satya Yuga, the highest Yuga, and going down by the time it gets to the Kali Yuga, is trying to stand on one leg. Okay, the Su Lakota Su white buffalo vision is of a bull who in their worst times can only stand on one leg. And as it mm-hmm. grows to the highest point that, uh, that those Native Americans aspired to at that time, it, it can stand on all four legs. That's a pretty astounding thing, you know. And I mean, I, honestly, I remember Joseph Campbell saying one time that people who think that God is, you know, some sort of judgmental creature living in an antiseptic part of the universe. This is just a nonsensical way of looking at how to get the divine magnetism. It just won't work for you. You'll just feel oppressed your whole life. 
And so we need these various conduits. If it's Christ, fine. If it's Krishna, fine. But what, what Campbell was really saying is that, you know, they're all exactly the same, and he called them dialects of the divine language. In other words, you know, Lakota Sioux talking and, and some being in India 7,000 years ago talking, are both talking about a bull they can only stand on one leg when we're in the darkest part of our consciousness. Now, as I said at the beginning of this, if you think of this only as poetry, it works. It, that's how I'm thinking of it. More, it more because I can't, I can't say, well, I totally believe this is exactly 24,000 years. I don't know that. Raghav knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this know is that. Ask the Experts. The, the byline is they know nothing. Right. No, but Meaning faith, uh, you know, our friend K.K. Shah used to say to me all the time, and, he's, and to many other people, you know, faith is the only thing, the only backstop, really. It's not the word he used, but mm-hmm. you have to have some sort of faith in this. Because you've been saying in the podcast that people, you know, woohoo it and go, come on, guys, get real. But we're trying to be real by trying to understand why. Do you think it's normal that, you know, rockets are going off right now? Huge, big rockets with explosions and hitting cities. Uh, how real is that? And very real in our, in our yuga and in our plane of consciousness. It's still part of the dream of Maya. So, so what Hey, one, one thing, though, that really um, struck me, it was particularly apparently the reality at the pinnacle of... Uh, higher consciousness in any one of these yuga, incredible um, profundity of discovery happened. And then it got lost. And then mm. it came back. And they point, out, they point to the, the, the amazing, of course, pyramids in Egypt. And there's no possibility that any, there was nothing at that time that would indicate that people could actually do a, a, an archi- a piece of architecture like this with all that's entailed. Nobody knows how it happened, right? And uh, that starts to speak to this in a way that's not so rational. Okay, well, how did that happen? And then... And then that's lost, and then something else comes back, which expresses, look, look where we are in the last, you know, 150 years, the amazing discoveries that have gone on. And so he points to that in the, in the book. I, th- I found that really uh, substantial in terms of it starts to fit into what Yukteswar is talking about. Yeah. He, he's very makes it quite clear in the book that the historical analysis of reality is, is so shallow and almost not important. It's about, it's about you know, great warriors and kings. But he says that, you know, in, in, in terms of the yugas, much of what Raga just mentioned, you know, the buildings, how did they build them? These writings, how did they write them? What about the, the Vedas and the Upanishads and, and, and the Mahabharata? On and on and on. People tend, he says in the book, because of our scientific, rationalistic, Descartes-based, cogito ergo sum mindset, we Mm. automatically feel that if it's about spiritual stuff or religious stuff, and it's way back then, he calls it the something like the surreptitious and 
incorrect idea of primitivism. Mm. That we constantly are thinking that those people knew nothing. They were dumb. They didn't have, mm. you know, no toilets. Right. They didn't have right. television. They didn't have clothes. And he's saying that's just a wrong view. It's linear. You know, that mm. people went through various stages of evolution. But to say that this is the first time that this has happened is, doesn't conform with the Yugas. Mm. The Yugas say that it constantly recycles and that we have hope in our hearts that our consciousness can recycle in the same way so that we have dark parts of ourselves. We remember things we did, we, we regret, we may have grown, you know, better people, become better. All these things within our own yuga, set of yugas, because they say that in the yuga too, you know, they say it. Human beings have these four yugas in them and transcend them the best way they can to reach their own satya mm, yeah, right. in meditation usually. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, not always, a, but... Yeah. yeah, this is a great point. I mean, the, the reality, this is what's inside is outside and vice versa. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and, here, and here, sorry. No, I just wanted to read this little thing from uh, that gives some other uh, pretty wild uh, viewpoints. Sri Yukteswar explains that the cycle of the yugas is caused by influencers, right? And from outside our solar system. What does that mean? Influencers outside of our solar system that affect the consciousness of all mankind. I could only... And, and mankind's consciousness changes as a result of this influence. So also does mankind's perception, awareness, and intellect in the higher ages that Sri Yukteswar describes, mankind not only knows more, but is able to perceive more than we do today. Mankind as a whole not only has more advanced capabilities, but becomes motivated profoundly differently as the ages unfold. In the higher ages described by Sri Yukteswar, perceptions and abilities considered highly unusual today, will be as normal to everyone alive at that time as cars, planes, and telephones are to us today. That's pretty amazing. It's, it's beautiful because he's saying there is a progression. It goes through darkness and weirdness, but it comes out because there needs to be growth and evolution of all beings within this one. I, I, it's just... I mean, that's such an amazing thing. I missed that somehow when I read the book, I think. Uh, yeah, I love that. That was, That's a beautiful yeah, piece. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, it further supports, again, the substantiality of who we're talking about here, Sri Yukteswar. Yes. And yes. Where all of this is derived, and not just he, but also, of course, Yogananda, and who was seminal in turning on us in the West to Eastern uh, mysticism. So, um, yeah. But who is the influencers? That's a good question. And well, you know what? I Here's what I feel, and this could be okay. more sort of pedestrian naivete, which I'm sure it is. But I feel like we met this being, Neem Karoli Baba, in India back in that time. And many people were influenced. Is not even, it's a wild understatement by this being, but by this experience. So how is, he's an influencer. You, know, you talk about, yeah, he's an Instagram influencer. Well, here's like a, you know, a major uh, 
change of direction that happened for so many people uh, in, back in that day. And, uh, and, and the outcome has been profound, Ramdas being the best example of that, but there are many people. And where does that influencer come from? It comes from, you know, to me, all of this, it's, it's the interaction of, of, of our actions with our potential wise consciousness, shall we say, is integral as to how these lapse of how these uh, uh, this time and space that is characterized by each of these yugas, how it develops and how it actually manifests. And uh, so I would say that Nimkaroli Baba Maharaji, you could easily put him into this uh, equation as an influencer coming from the one which we have no, the mystery we have no idea anyhow that's fine no i think you're absolutely right because you when you encountered him he gave you something you didn't have and you might never have had and and there he is right there now what what is he well we we can't define that but we it's from some other place of consciousness within the one and you might as well say it's from outer space because there's no distance in this in this in that dimension it's not about distance, time, space, linear. It's about all of it happening all the time, all at the same time. And yet we can only be conscious of what we're ready to be conscious of. And I mean, that's what, I mean, my goodness, Yuktizwar, as you've been saying, and it's so right to say it, and that lineage of self-realization fellowship people, it was remarkable beyond words because they came West. And Yuktizwar says that the ones that come in the the Kali Yuga is the most invitable, most precious ones to want to those that want to have devotional change made with other human beings, and in other words, they come to the Kali Yuga. They're way deep into the Kali Yuga because you know from your studies that you know just on the, in the, in the Indian mode of it, not thinking about Chinese or any other, just in. It goes back forever that these people existed, but it's all, as far as we're concerned, in the Kali Yuga, because they're the only ones we would know about. We're all in the Kali Yuga, right? Mm. It, it, none of them were in, shall we say, the Sata Yuga, but what they, what Yogyakarta says, it doesn't matter. They're in the Sata Yuga all the time. Get it. They can't go out of the Sata Yuga. They are the Sata Yuga. But they come back, as I said, with the Bodhisattva um, motivation, which is within the Kali Yuga, people are so densely... They're just objectifying all of reality and therefore greed and wealth and lying and various forms of violation of the beauty of being human come forth and then these people appear by just fiat, by just fiat. You can't explain it, you shouldn't try. But God knows when you come across their wisdoms, I never met Yuktiswar, but when I, you know, when I picked up this little book yesterday that I'd lost for, I couldn't find it, this one, The Holy uh -huh. Science, by him. It's just a little book. Okay, so the book's, it's only 60 pages, and there's just lots of little chapters, you know, full of Vedic wisdom, full of Shakti, that jump off the page. But each one of them, underneath in italics, has got a quotation from the Christian and Judeo-Christian Bible. There it is, underneath, an exact an exact parallel mm. between yeah. what he's saying coming from where he is, and he's looking at this, and he says in some other introduction, 
My aim in coming here was to be with people of every single faith. And because he wrote the Yugas thing doesn't mean that he actually separated anything out. The Yugas would prove to him that we're all being one all the time. We're not bits of the one. We're fractals of the one. I just realized this a few days ago, actually. We're fractals of the one. We are the one and we're fractals. We're like a laser beam. But we are the one. So the Yugas, what does it come down to? It comes down to the fact that it's very possible, isn't it, Raga, that people who lived in that time, who were not distracted by anything except either devotion or serfdom, you know, they were living very primitive lives, or they were as much a master as the ones from the 19th and 20th centuries. Mm. We can assume that. We think about Babaji and so on. So at that time, they came. And that was in the Kali Yuga, because according to Tezuar, we are still there, just about leaving and so on. So it means that they come because they see the greatest dangers in darkness. You know, the Chinese called one era the turbulent era of utter darkness. And that was, what, that was, their, that was their Kali Yuga, their explanation of the Kali Yuga. Hmm. It's a time when the only darkness prevails, and therefore those that carry light will want to go into that darkness to bring further light. So another just saying, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we talked you talked a little bit ago about the reality that other other traditions absolutely have a a, a myth about this reality. And one thing we should I just wanted to mention because I've always felt so close to to their worldview perspective, the Hopi, and I know you do too. The yes. Hopi of the American Southwest speak of four worlds. Uh, Frank Waters, uh, himself a Hopi, describes them in the Book of the Hopi, which is a great book. In the first world, the people were pure, happy, healthy, satyuga. The people, uh, is, you know, I'm obviously comparing. The people felt one with one another and and with nature. They felt at one with one another and with nature. By the third world, people lived in big cities and there was corruption and war. And in the fourth world, people lived in a hard world marked by duality, polarity, you could use that word too, and quote-unquote heat and cold, beauty and barrenness. Mm. Mm. That seems to be right on description for we are where we are right now. I mean, pretty amazing. And where yeah. we've been for a long time, because you know, if you just look at the just at the bare bones of the last five thousand years or something, which is just the tip of the iceberg, it's been a, a lot of aggro, to say the least. I mean, people being treated badly and slavery being a way of life. And war being a way of life also. And maybe, you know, this is reaching a peak now and therefore it will, you know, either get worse or people will suddenly come to their senses and start, you know, trying to avoid what's happening in the Middle East, you know, yeah. which is the constant cultivation of, of division and separation. It can't work. It's not working for either side in, in Israel and, and, and the Palestinians. So they better come up with something quicker. It's going to be Talk so devastating. About. 
bad, though. Jesus. And you mentioned to me, yeah, Horrible. well, in Roman times, they used to bring the slaves into a stadium mm-hmm. and uh, and kill them. Like 10,000, you said to me, yeah, 10,000. Yeah. Emperor Trajan. Emperor Trajan. He, was, he, was, he was one of those like Nero and like Tiberius and Caligula yeah. who were perverted psychopaths. And yeah, were. but it said 10,000. You were right in one day. Yeah, 10,000 in, in a day. For a cheering crowd. Mm. I mean, <laughs> holy, God, this is So humanity. we've progressed. I mean, now we, you know, we cheer for sports teams. And, and, and on the whole, that's fairly, fairly safe for people. So that's good. I, I mean, <laughs> no, it, it is good. I mean, there are certain things that in, in the better part of this, remember, we're in the ascending part of the Dwapara, just beyond the ascending Kali Yuga, according to the diagram. And therefore, you know, I saw a thing on the BBC a couple of weeks ago, which blew my mind, talk about yoga. Mm. It was a, a gentleman, a scientist, and an engineer who spoke about the fact that the most obsolete thing that we have, that we don't need to have, are things like wires and, and outlets and anything involving electricity being transmitted via wires or material objects. On further questioning, he said, yes, we should be able to do some of these things. And he had something that levitated on a table. Mm. It just did. He told it to and it did. And his, his vision was, we're, this technology that we think is so amazing, and in some ways it is, is nothing compared with the use of thought. Mm. And the Treta Yuga is known as the, the Yuga of Thought. You know, when we go to that level of understanding, we can control our environment with no machinery or middlemen in between. And this mm-hmm. British scientist, who was very credible and really was a scientist, not a woohoo-ster, um, you know, he was saying, oh, yeah, the next stage is intense holography and three-dimensional creations, and then the movement of objects without water or electricity or anything we're mm. just going to be able to do. And it was amazing to see, you know, and then it was back to, thank you very much, Joseph Friedkin, and now back to the Middle East. And I thought, yeah. wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. He just said something astounding, which was that we're in a very primitive state of this technology and it won't be long before we're able to do things with our mind. Mm. Well, it's in in the book, right? It, uh, it's in the book, yeah. Yeah, if... if um, Consider the thought awareness and intuitive attunement on any human endeavor we can envision. A Treta Yuga, society filled with extraordinarily capable people. But intuitive attunement to a particular realm of thought leads not only to great accomplishments, but can lead to great power as well. Uh, as a person becomes intuitively attuned to thought, he or she will be able to direct thought and as a result manipulate energy and matter by affecting the very thought forms that give rise to them. Here we truly part company with the world with which we are now <laughs> familiar. <laughs> well, wait a minute, you know, uh, look at you know, AI, we're, we're starting to give AI that power, right? Well, well, it's like anything else, you know, it can be used for total good. I mean, it can design a, a dam, a plane, a thing that people use that will never 
never, you know, be disabled or, or, or cause a disaster. It can do things now because it can, it can enter the role, you know, of digital interpretation <laughs> better mm -hmm. than we can. But then, as we all know, um, it can destroy us. And, it, and, and, you know, and when you think of the people who, I mean, I don't want to get into an Elon Musk thing here. I'll just tell you this. I saw a, a, like a 10-minute video that he made, he, Elon, made, of how it's possible to send spaceships to very distant places. And in this thing, his description and analysis and interpretation of this was absolutely remarkable. In other really? words, the man is not a fool. He may be, he may be a dark character. He may be. I don't know. I don't know him. I know some of the things he says makes me make me really nervous. But what I was amazed about was how advanced his brain is on this stuff. Because mm. he wasn't talking to, you know, he wasn't saying, oh, talk to my chief engineer. He had this thing right in front of him and going, okay, watch this ellipse. and Watch how it changes. And look what I have to do to get that thing to land on Neptune rather than just to go around it. It can be done easily. But we have to know how this is all spinning. And I watched it as, with as much interest as I would ever watch anything. I realized I was watching Elon Musk. Wow. He did not appear to be a lunatic, you know. But this is part of the problem of, of, of the Kali Yuga, I guess, according to the sages, the rishis, which is that, you know, within the abilities that we have, some people have supremely advanced abilities, but very, very little spiritual or moral, moral, loving kindness vibes. So you have someone who can be really, because the tendency is to think that people who are doing these bad things are just stupid or ignorant or vicious or cruel. They may be, but that some of them are, are really cunning and extremely smart. So that's part of the progression of the yugas where all people are in every yuga, really. No matter which mm. way you put it, it's yeah. all one, right? Um, anyway, um, Raga, say something else about this. <laughs> <laughs> I have like, you know, so many notes here, but, you know. Well, no, I, the, I caught, there was a number of, a lot of things that caught my interest, you know, that again, deepened my understanding for sure of what the, they were trying to get across here and, and got me out of my, Oh, yeah, that's more woohoo yuga thing. How's that going to help anything in the moment? And then started to find lots of different ideas, concepts, and presentations of this process that Sri Yukteswar uh, enabled through the through that book, I guess, you know, to for people to really think about this. So here's another one. Um, and this is from Yogananda that it, and it, this is a facet of Treta Yuga. Um, it's difficult to comprehend, for us to comprehend is that in the Treta Yuga, mankind will overcome the limitations of time by developing, quote-unquote, time annihilators. What, what the hell is that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> One of the limitations of time that we accept today is that, quote-unquote, it takes time for certain things to happen. Plants grow at a certain pace. Healing requires time to happen. Children need a lengthy childhood to grow up. People need time to learn. 
in Treta Yuga, it may be that many processes we now absolutely now believe absolutely will take time could be sped up or even eliminated by the agency of thought. This is all really every time I read something like this, I, I you know, this AI thing, because you know, we're using it now and it's extraordinary in, in the simplest, most direct way, you know, hey, please summarize this or write a letter that or whatever, you know, just extremely expedient kind of uses. But it's still, you're, you're like woken up in a way that's quite different. The way that reading this is sort of okay, yeah, because we know the power of thought. I mean, uh, Yogananda went to see Luther Burbank, who was growing shit, mm. uh, you know, in lab, and he started talking to his cactus plant that had, you know, spikes like all cactus do, lovingly and love you and wow, we're friends. The 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 sharp spines disappeared. He came up with a cactus that didn't have that by virtue. <laughs> I mean, this mm. is of course his premise. But this this stuff is real. We all know how powerful our, our minds can be, and you know when we want to manipulate ourselves into either rejecting pain or looking for pleasure. And our minds are are pretty powerful. And I've seen it, of course, with Neem Karoli Baba, who just without doing saying or anything people like we david and i did this wonderful film uh of uh brilliant disguise it's called here's a little commercial day brilliant disguise the samadhi of kc tuari well maharaji as we called him used to look at tuari and he would go into the deepest of absorptions beyond breath and pulse because we were told, hey, check check him out. Does he have any Maharaji was playing with us? Anyhow, the power of that is undeniable. And and we've all experienced it. I think and, you know, that's obviously a huge um, magnification of what that is. Um, but this stuff in the Treta Yuga, the possibilities there, and the way we're moving, you know, right now uh, around this particular idea is quite amazing. You know, it makes me think of the fact that in the book he talks about Einstein and Tesla and mentions that Einstein's, you know, E equals MC squared came out five years into the end of the Kali Yuga and that Tesla's totally visionary way of looking at electricity and life in general was also, you know, 10 15 years after that, both of those men um, had spiritual grasp of engineering, and etc. In other words, if you read these quotes, they're often online uh, that Einstein, most of the quotes from Einstein were about, no, they weren't about numbers, they weren't about formulae, they weren't about scientific, they were just about love, kindness, and belief that the truth exists. So in the book here, in this book by, you know, these guys, they, they talk about that. Well, Tesla just thought his way through uh, these problems that no one else was, knew was a problem, one of them being alternating current and direct current. The difference between those two things, no, uh, no one on earth in our yuga, at any rate it seems, knew about that. 
in the book, the, the, the authors say, it's not that Einstein and Tesla were so different. They just perceived things that other people didn't perceive. The word genius is kind of misused for them, he believes. In other words, it could have been anybody, but they somehow were tuned into stuff. You know, there's a very funny story about Tesla that I love. Tesla had a, a, um, a studio lab down in the West Village in New York. And um, he invented a, a, a tablet, a large thing, large tab to stand on, which would um, bring about advanced thought. And he tried it on himself. It vibrated. If you can imagine, this was like in 1918 or something. And it vibrated and it made you feel good, body-mind. So he managed to get in touch with, I think he knew him a little bit, with Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain. And he invited Twain, who was in the area, to come and stand on the tablet, the vibrating tablet, and, and then to ask him, what are the effects of that? So Twain Clemens stood on it for the requisite eight minutes or something, and then got off, and Tesla asked him, so, uh, how do you feel? He said, I, I, I feel nothing. I absolutely feel nothing. I'm sorry. And Tesla went, wait, I've done this. How could you feel nothing? It must have affected you. Sorry, it didn't. And then um, he went out. But before he left, he said to Nikola Tesla, can I just use your bathroom? <laughs> and Tesla said, yeah, please, it's over there on the right. And Clemens went in there and then came out sort of three minutes later and said, my God, I've been constipated for so long. It just <laughs> all came out. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you know, I studied That's Tesla for a long time. So oh, really? Yeah, That's good yeah I did. I wrote a musical called Tesla in my life. I've done strange things. And That's that was one cool. of the, well, Tesla was one, the reason I bring it up is not so much to make jokes, but he says that Tesla and Einstein were just receptacles before their time, but not really, because they were just hearing things from a previous Satya or Treta Yuga. You know, backwards and forwards in time, you can go and suddenly people are visionaries. So Tesla was thinking, no one else in our time was thinking like Nikola Tesla. Hmm. And you could say, well, that was just, he was a genius. But what the hell does that mean? It means that he was receiving information that other people were not and mm -hmm. therefore could come up with a brand new vision of the cosmos. Yeah. Uh, now, when we kind of say, well, who cares? Why bother? You know, that we, we might get that. might in ourselves go, what are we bothering about? Uh, yes. Well, obviously, the, just the general concept of a bigger picture, shall we say, rather than our one little lifetime in relation to the ebbing and flowing and of, of even within our lifetime we have had an ebb and flow of different cycles we all have you know i mean mm -hmm. some of it's natural baby child young adult adult and so on but i I found something here that I think really gives us an idea of why it is something that can give us um, 
push our consciousness a little bit, which is important because we all get stuck and we know what it is. We know it all ism. That's why Bernie Glassman, right, that great Roshi, he was, he was all about, let's see, <laughs> let's see. We don't know anything. Let's see, you know. I mean, what, so what, like, let what, me let me read this, Dave. Okay, because then it, it takes us to a good place. What he's, Yukteswar observed that God's not—it's not a venerable person adoring a th- adorning a throne in some antiseptic corner of the universe. Uh, it's it's pure consciousness beyond form and limitation, and our own consciousness, our very being, is an extractable an inextricable expression of this consciousness. Thus, the more deeply we understand ourselves, the more deeply we understand our consciousness as part of the pure consciousness of God. That's a great uh, couple of lines right there. Uh, one, and but here's the reason why, in you know that this book responds to of uh, these particular lines respond to exactly. One can describe the development of mankind through the yugas as the process of discovering deeper, more subtle aspects of the reality of who they have been all along. Again, the inner and the outer. It's not just something outside ourselves that we are trying to learn about. Advancing through the yugas is like removing layers of wrappings from a package, layers that are hiding the gift within. By Satya Yuga, most of the wrappings will have been removed and the gift within will be visible as though seen through one final, faintly obscuring layer of tissue. In Satya Yuga, each individual will still need to remove that final layer, but he will also know that once he has done so, he will experience, quote-unquote, God, the spirit beyond this visible world. Mm. Pretty good. Pretty, yeah, pretty, it's pretty one of those good. Things, I mean, it's great. It's one of those things that if it works for you, this particular wisdom or knowledge, whatever you want, body of, of knowledge, if it works for you, then it works for you, just like it did for me, you know, and it seems to have done for you for a little bit. Not, it's not for everyone. Because it's not the necessary remedy to some people's um, suffering. Day to day, you know, yeah, chaotic I mean, life. T- in in the, any kind of privileged life one is lucky enough to have, or so on, you have time to think about this stuff and everything. But what you just said, what you just quoted, it makes this more than just an obscure thing that you don't have to study the yugas to just know that there's some kind of vision of of the process of going to God. And then in this case, it's, it's cosmic, but in the body and mind and soul we live in, it's personal. So I, I've been thinking a lot about this. I do a lot of walking these days. I meditate kind of by walking. And um, just thinking of the number of things that I, I, I can remember being involved with in my life that now I would never be involved with. That Now, what changed me? And I mean, not bad stuff, but stuff that was just a waste of time or a waste of energy or not quite observing someone else's uh, realness and humanity. And then when you get older, you sort of see this. What changed you? What actually changed you in your own personal set of yugas? 
And how do you go from, you know, seeing people as the other to seeing everyone as being one? Um, there are changes in an individual life. And that if this is a metaphor that helped, helped me, you know, just sort of see, okay, I can see why mm. there is darkness in the world. One of the things I would say about this is that uh, the mystical religions, even Judaism, will uh, will talk about reincarnation, and obviously it's a very major part of of much of of Eastern uh, spirituality. If you couple the yugas with the dynamic of reincarnation. You can see redemption for your for the change from this incarnation, this sheath, to another one, and progress in that way. Mm, in other words, if it's good. just I could someone going, if someone goes, well, that's all very well, but I'm not going to be around for the trade to you. I'm not even going to be around for like April. What are you talking about? <laughs> I guess you're saying, look, if these great beings, like Maharaji, Ninkarolia, and others, felt the need to come back, and it says in the book that the Kali Yuga is the best time for devotional spirituality. Uh, I mean, Yogeshwar even says it's kirtan that is the most propitious way uh, to reach it, which is very interesting. Mantra, right. Read the Rig Veda. It's all mantras, thousand mantras, right? So, yeah, but that's cool and it's great and everything. But if you just can imagine this construct, the Yuga construct, with the construct of of transmigration of souls uh, based upon karma, then you put the two together, and there's there's hope and light and life and love within that. I think. Mm, yeah, well said. Thank I you. found something else. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I found something else. Uh, we can kind of go into a closure with this because I think it's the fundamental way in which we can understand what really the the reality of us being here and the as I keep thinking about the reality of what's going on inside is reflected outside and it's not separate at all and so we're talking about connectivity so he says here we are conditioned to think of all things as being separate, material, and decidedly non-conscious. I mean, this is how we were brought up. Uh, it's just the, the patterns that we were completely fit into so easily in all of these societies through roles and everything else that Ram Dass has talked about so much over the years. Treta Yuga man on the other hand, knew himself to be an inextricable part of a decidedly conscious and fundamentally interconnected and non-material reality. In the same way that we are aware of the physical weather, Treta Yuga Man, it should be the Treta Yuga Man, we are going to go get a T-shirt. Treta Yuga Man is where we want to be. Trader Yuga Man was aware of the subtle weather of conscious forces flowing within and around him. Mm. Aware of the subtle weather of conscious forces flowing within and around him. 
whether these were the thoughts and energies of a nearby person or the unique magnetic influence of a distant planet or field of stars. How cool is that? You know, it's so amazing. But it is, it's all about this, it's just connection, you know, connecting and, you know, which is one of the things I feel fortunate to be involved in the Love Serve Remember Foundation, which is the... Um, the umbrella under which is this podcast network, network be here, be here now network, and to be able to do all of the things that we do that help people connect is one of the. I mean, I really am thankful to be able to be part of that. You've been part of it as well. We've done so many things together over the years, and uh, yeah. So thanks really for bringing this up because it does give. J- a switch in perspective that allows one to maybe not be so terribly caught up in the moment. Grief is there because of what's going on in in all parts of this world. Mm. But I think having um, some small spark of realizing that there is recompense around the corner that it and it can't be based on just this lifetime. Uh, realizing, and you mentioned it before, the reality of what reincarnation is, which we have no idea, but we've seen it uh, in in broad daylight. Uh, the that reality, uh, as Jimi Hendrix said many years ago, yeah, you ever, I, there was an interview with him that a friend of mine did, and he said. Yeah, reincarnation. What? Oh, what's the, heaven will get real overcrowded real quickly. I'm <laughs> sure that <they're, laughs> he said, of course. Anyhow, um, getting a broader picture is helpful for sure of what reality is. Yeah, and to get back to KKHL for a minute, I when he used to bring up the word faith. You know, it was in the least sort of um, uh, didactic way. It was just a quick tool in, to, to, you know, to explain to me at any given moment, you know, when I was lucky enough to be in his presence, was that you, you take faith, you, you eat it up, and then these things like believing or not believing in the yugas or all of this uh, becomes irrelevant because you find something you do believe in and then there's no arguing about it. You, that's faith. You love it. You know it exists within you. You know you recognize it. You're one with it. You flow with it. And so to get back to the, the yugas, as Raghu said, it does give you that sense of uh, there is not so much a plan. It's not a plan. It's just a natural progression mm, through yeah. through various yeah through various. Yeah densities of consciousness that we interact with it's not isolated yes. we are yeah. part of that which is yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's that's a difficult thing you yeah. know that that's why you know we're living in a time when um people who've had deep oppression into their ancestry they can remember it you know um uh, and yet now uh in one case you know a, a brilliant artist 
Martin Scorsese, you know, doing a film about the Saudi tragedies mm. and all of that. And I've seen some of it, and it's just incredibly, beautifully, marvelously done. And so here we are then in 2023 when a, an artist of great distinction and, and power of a sort uh, decides to unearth a very dark time in mm. in many other dark times of, of Native American history and and do it in such a way that people will breathe more about it and go, oh, I didn't know that. And it really is important. So that's Treta Yuga stuff. It yeah. really is. You know, because when I saw an interview with Scorsese, that's all he wanted to do is meet with them and go, well, did this happen? And how did that happen? And is, he, is Leo DiCaprio really playing that correctly? Is that anything, you know, you brought them in. They were happy to do that. And then they brought about this movie, which is coming out next week, I think. Um, you know, yeah. which will... Yeah, no, it's out, out. People it, told me they've seen it. It's a masterpiece. Oh, yeah. Did yeah. they like it? Oh, yeah. yeah, great. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, me too. And that's got nothing to do with any yugas, but uh, I just, I guess I brought it up because I have faith that there are people now within this time we all share who are determined to, if not raise the consciousness, at least have shifted a little bit. Mm. And, and that's very important, I think, at this point, yeah. right? No, absolutely. And there are many people who are doing that not just people who are doing the opposite. Yeah, if you're watching, this is the book, The Yugas, right? It'll be in um, the show notes too. You'll be linked over to be able okay, to get good. it. Okay, good. And it's, yeah. it's, just to mention them again, because they did a great job, Joseph Selby and David Steinmetz. Yeah, thank uh, you guys it. for doing yes. something as uh, formidable and substantial, really. Yeah, really. Um, and we will develop a T-shirt now called Treta Yugam Man. <laughs> I it will happen. That. Don't think it. Yeah, Something right. happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> think it. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thanks for doing this. As Later. usual, everybody, this is Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com. Uh, put your name on the mailing list so you can see some of the offerings that we do both here and Ramdas.org. We'll see you next week.